Between the kids being home and hosting, everything in our house gets used up in summer. With Instacart, I can save money by stocking up on all my favorite summer brands. I save time by getting everything delivered in as fast as an hour. And I save myself a sink full of dirty dishes by stocking up on paper plates for the annual summer cookout. Save more on summer essentials? Spend more time enjoying summer. Add summer to cart. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Back to the final four is not on the schedule. He is Rod. I am Cameron. And Rod, right off the rip, let's just uh, clear up some things. We had a few podcasts um, that the link got erased off of Apple. I don't know if it's happened to other podcast or other podcast hosts or or what, but we've definitely heard it from Apple. Now we we can still get it off of your um, Twitter feed, Tiffinot sixty eight. Um, if people are, are looking for the last two episodes or if this happens again, um, look, I understand that some people may not be, uh, comfortable with strong language, but sometimes things need to be said and they need to be said strongly and they need to be said in the manner that they're intended. And if there's players in the media out there that don't want to face the facts or, or, or look themselves in the mirror, uh, they just need to toughen the fuck up. But that's just, that's what it is. To our sponsors, whoever they are, uh, we're sorry. Thanks for the fish. Um, but if you're looking for any more episodes, if this happens again and you can't find it on Apple, Rod's Twitter's Tiffinot68. Um, so that's out of the way. Um, I, I'll try not to provoke you, Rod, with any uh, <laughs> anything so, that might lead so you on. Just so I'm clear, so going forward is this is this solved so people will get I, what i gathered the problem is is that uh people who would subscribe to the podcast and use itunes to do so um were not getting new episodes mm-hmm. over the last couple of weeks has that been fixed i or we don't I, know i we don't I, we don't know um Okay. I think it. I think it's been taken down, possibly for language issues, or oh, that our that our swear words. Ha! Okay. But of course, that has to be reported. So okay, whatever. Um, Interesting. So we'll right. uh, this one. We'll, I'll make sure it's clean, and then going <laughs> forward, if anybody. Uh, if it happens again, you know where to find us on Rod's Twitter page. Okay. All right. Well, that that addresses that. Yes, and as you said, it's always the link is always available on the Twitter account. But you know, I understand a lot of people like to simply subscribe right. and then forget about having to search it out. They like it just popping up into their aggregator. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, so we'll 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 keep looking at it and see if we can. If we can figure out if that is indeed the problem or if there's something else going on. But yeah. uh, we are, if you're hearing this and you like to get it via iTunes and it hasn't been loading for you recently, know that we're aware of the problem. Right. We're not ignoring it. So anyway, Rod, uh, Big Ten Tournament is here. Uh, this will be at uh, Gainbridge Fieldhouse uh, in Indianapolis, which... I think is the right place to have this tournament. <laughs> if you ask me, uh, home of the Pacers. Um, yeah, I would, I would agree. I mean, I, I certainly, I'm okay with it at the United center as well, but I, uh, I, I do think that Indianapolis is a better location for it simply because it's better for the fan bases. You have restaurants and bars and all of that kind of infrastructure stuff that people like right in the immediate vicinity of the, of the arena. Mm-hmm. Whereas the United center in Chicago, for those who have been there, you know that it's kind of isolated away from things. Um, yeah. But either one is fine by me, as long as we're not doing it in New York or Washington, DC. Yeah, that's crazy. So, <laughs> but I'm with so, you. This is probably the top choice for so, a location. Uh, 
Michigan State leads uh, the Big Ten in big in uh, tournament championships. Um, yeah, with for what it's yeah, yeah, what it's worth. Um, how important is this? Well, you know that's an interesting that's an interesting question because for a while, I think Michigan State fans were not entirely bought into this event, and I think the reasoning was a couple of different things. One, I think anybody who is a fan of, let's call it the legacy schools, the original 10 members of this conference, Mm -hmm. um, or not original in Michigan State's case, but let's say the older members of this conference, remember the Big Ten as one of the few leagues that did not have a tournament. Remember, they only introduced the Big Ten tournament in 1998. So it's not that old. And I know I felt this way for a long time, that to me, an 18-game round robin was the perfect test Mm -hmm. to determine a champion. And that the tournament, for the first several years after its inception, felt to me a lot like an exhibition. Yeah. It was fun. I went to the first one. And so it was, you know, completely new to Big Ten fans at that point. And those who may remember, that was not a great tournament for Michigan State. They won the Big Ten regular season title, but lost in the quarterfinals, their first game in the Big Ten tournament to Minnesota in a big upset. Michigan ended up winning it that year. Mm. Um, But for the first several years, I think, I know I felt that way. I think a lot of Michigan State fans felt that way. And I think a lot of fans around the conference and probably even a lot of the coaches treated it not entirely as an exhibition, but as something that was not of grave, grave consequence. The only reason it would really matter to you a great deal is if the perception was that you were on the bubble and you really needed a win. Mm -hmm. You know, Um, or if you were a one seed and you wanted to preserve that, it was kind of precarious. Maybe it mattered a little bit then, but the stakes were not that high. It's funny. I was just this past uh, week in North Carolina. So I was in ACC country mm-hmm. and I was talking with a friend of mine who does um, a lot of video work for, he's a production company, does a lot of video work for the ACC network. So we were, we were talking about this subject, and I said, you know, that that's the thing is no matter how long this goes, the Big Ten tournament will never feel like the ACC tournament does for those people. Uh-huh. Because, because for forever, the ACC's automatic qualifier for the NCAA tournament, and I mean going back to the days when you only got one team per conference mm-hmm. in the field, theirs was determined by the winner of the tournament as opposed to the Big Ten, where it was the regular season champion. So the ACC's always cared about it. Their tournament has always, for decades and decades, has been vitally important. Whereas in the Big Ten, for a lot of years, it felt like mostly what it was, an opportunity to make more money. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and and that was, and, and maybe, you know, uh, an exhibition. I don't think... And that's not to say that coaches didn't want to win it, players didn't want to win it, but I think you know what I mean. It, mm-hmm. it, it didn't seem as important because Big Ten fans had not grown up with it. It was secondary. I think that has changed in the last 10 years in particular, or so, maybe even a little longer than that. And the main reason I think it's changed is we now have a 14-team league. Mm-hmm. And what that means is you are playing unbalanced schedules. So if you look at Michigan State, for example, Michigan State did not see Ohio State until the second to last game of the regular season. Yeah. And it was the only time they saw them. So they only played the one game. They only played Purdue once. They only played Indiana once. You know, those are some pretty big name opponents that Michigan State fans only saw once this year i think since the advent of the 14 even with the expansion to 20 games it still doesn't fix it entirely 
by and large, the Big Ten regular season title is way too often determined by schedule yeah. as much as pure quality at the top. There are years, for example, you know, Tom Crane got fired from his Georgia head coaching job today, but when he was at Indiana, oh. it might surprise people to think about or to be told that he actually won two Big Ten regular season titles. The first one, most people probably remember, it was that great team he had in 2013 that got upset by Syracuse in the Sweet 16, so they didn't make good on their potential. But that was an elite team. That was a team that was national championship good. Mm-hmm. But he won it a few years later, too. He won the Big Ten title in 2016, the year that MSU had Denzel Valentine, Bryn Forbes, those guys. That MSU team did not win the Big Ten title. They finished runner-up. I think everybody who saw those teams play that year would tell you without a hint of doubt that Michigan State was the superior team. Mm -hmm. But Indiana won it in part because they had a more favorable schedule. So when you're in that situation where you don't play everybody twice and the schedule, who you play and who you don't play, has a lot to do with who wins it, it maybe gives a little added import to mm-hmm. the tournament, in my opinion. But yeah. I, but I don't think I'm alone in that. I, for example, this year, you know, we we once again have co-champs, which seems to be happening more frequently. We have yeah. Illinois and Wisconsin, right? So you can view this as the ultimate determinator, determining factor as to which team is truly Big Ten champ. Mm-hmm. Which team is the best? There have been other years. The, the classic that I recall, I think it's probably to this day, if not the best Big Ten tournament championship game I've seen, the most hotly contested for sure, was in 2012 when Michigan State and Ohio State faced off. They had been two of the three tri-champions in the regular season. Michigan also got a share that year. Uh, but they met in the conference tournament final after they had split their regular season series and it was an absolute war. <laughs> Michigan State ended up winning. If you remember that Draymond Green, Green senior year, yeah. that team versus Jared Sullinger, Aaron Kraft, and those guys from Ohio State, Damn. that game was an absolute classic from a competitive standpoint. And so I think since then, the Big Ten tournament does seem to mean more to the teams and to the coaches and even to the fan bases. I'm, mm. I'm still not sure. Well, cause I can, I can remember it was during Steve Alford's period at Iowa. He had a year where Iowa had a fluke win of the big 10 tournament and they raised a banner that claimed they were <laughs> the big tournament. 10 champions. It just said big 10 champions. It's like, no, I understand that now we are giving the automatic bid to the tournament champion. I, I get all that, mm-hmm. but this is the Big Ten. And I remember thinking it was it was laughable. It was hilarious to me that they were that desperate to claim something. you know something that <laughs> that they they use the Big Ten tournament championships. Oh yeah, we're Big Ten champs. No, you're not. <laughs> and nobody around, nobody else in the league thinks you are. You know, but I think. I think that's changed. I don't think, I still don't think it overrides the regular season, mm-hmm. but I think as often as not, it ends, it ends up now as a referendum on the regular season that we oftentimes seem to need because of what the scheduling Ties. has done, yeah. mm-hmm. you know? So that's, that's my two cents. How, how, I mean, how often other than you just mentioned the Iowa, are there any times that you can recall a team that clearly would have been out of the NCAA tournament? winning the Big Ten tournament no. and getting the bid? No, See, there was one there was one year early on, if I'm remembering correctly, and I believe it was might have even been two thousand. It was either uh, yeah, you know what? I think it was ninety nine actually. It was a year where Illinois was really down and they ended up putting I mean nowhere close to a tournament bid. Mm-hmm. And they ended up, if I remember correctly, getting the finals before Michigan State stopped them. I think I've got that right. That's about as close as I think it's come. Typically, the Big Ten tournament has been upset 
impervious, at least in major ways. We usually seem to get higher-end teams. Uh, Michigan, that year where they, they had the almost plane crash, Derek Walton's senior year. Oh, that's I right. I guess that yeah. was 17. That team, that team was, I think, was going to the tournament anyway. But they that would be about as as uh, mediocre a team to win it because I believe they won it that year if I'm remembering correctly. Mm. Um, as we've seen, typically we'll see if not the the number one finisher, we'll see a team in that upper upper tier usually win it. Part of it is because again, just with the number of schools that are in it the odds are really stacked against a lower echelon team. I mean, we are now at a point that if you are a bottom rung finisher, you got to win five straight. <laughs> yeah. That's you play crazy. On, you start on Wednesday and that's, that's almost dangerous. Really? Well, yeah. Five days in a row. But we, we don't ever seem to see anybody test it mm-hmm. because they yeah. don't, those teams just can't survive it. I mean, winning four in a row, is really hard. I was t- I was on Jack Ebling's show today, and we were talking about that, and and we, we both seem to agree that this is from a Michigan State perspective, this is one year where depth might actually matter. Normally, I think I think depth can matter a great deal in the regular season. I think in the NCAA tournament, it's probably a little overrated mm-hmm. because you you got a day of rest in between games, and then you have longer rests you know, heading into the next round if you're fortunate enough to get to the next weekend, right? Yeah. So depth tends to be overrated there. But I think it could matter in a scenario like the conference tournament because you're playing on consecutive days. Mm. If Michigan State were able to get to a semifinal, let's say, that'd be a third game in three days. They're a lot better off than a team that only went, you know, seven deep would be. And we've got a few of those in the Big Ten this year. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, that that's one area where Michigan State's depth might come in handy. But it's just it's just a very difficult thing. It's a very, very – it's a difficult thing to win three in a row, which everybody has to do at least that much. Mm-hmm. That's a hard thing. Never mind four or five. So – yeah, we don't we we have not seen a lot of stunning upsets of this thing over the years. I would say my one complaint about the conference tournaments, um, yeah, it's it's not really something that affects like the the, the big five conferences, the Power Five, because the, the people that are going to win that are usually going to be in anyway. Right. But everything from maybe below that until you get to the the really smaller mid major schools, there's a lot of bid stealing going on. And, For sure, and then when you get to like the you know the Horizon League stuff like that, where you're looking at you know, or maybe like a, for example, like Oakland, if they could win, you know, sweep through the regular season and just be awesome and 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 have a great year and win by two or three games, and then get have a bad day and lose in their tournament and they're out. Yeah, I, I don't I, like I, that for the smaller conferences. I I just don't think that's a good way to go. Look, I, I agree. I, I hear exactly what you're saying, but we're tilting against windmills for two reasons. One is tradition. Again, the big 10 was mm-hmm. long and outlier. Most conferences going back to the sixties played sometimes even earlier than that played a postseason tournament. And so I hear you on that. It's, it's terrible to see a team that was great in a regular season and then they, they end up losing one game in a tournament setting and they're done. They're Mm -hmm. not rewarded for that. And in a lot of these smaller leagues, you much more commonly will see what we were just talking about where a team that's 15 and 17 overall gets hot and gets a bid. That'll, you know, at least as often as not, we'll see one or two of those Mm -hmm. in the field because somewhere because some of these leagues it just happens but the major reason that it won't change is money you know for the smaller leagues especially because it's their one opportunity championship week right Mm -hmm. on espn it's their one chance to get in the spotlight and have people see them and they get a payday as a result you know 
So I don't see it changing. I agree with you. I think for those leagues where everything is riding on it, it's really tough. I mean, that was that was something that, you know, Drew Valentine, the guy with MSU connections, obviously, and first-year head coach at Loyola Chicago, he had – he was in a tough spot. They lost out on regular season title in the Missouri Valley by a game to Northern Iowa. And while it looked like they'd done enough to get an at-large bid, the Missouri Valley's a good enough conference that sometimes mm-hmm. you will see multiple bids, it was not certain that they would be in without winning the conference tournament. And they managed to do that. But they might have had a problem if they hadn't won that thing. Mm -hmm. And they were, I think, even though they didn't win their regular season title, I think most people agreed they were probably the quote-unquote best team in that league. Yeah. So, you know, if they'd missed out, that would have been a hell of a thing. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, if you look at, I guess we can get into Maryland a little bit. We're not going to go through all the... We just did that two days ago or whatever. Right. Um, but, I mean, what's – I guess we just played them back-to-back. I mean, this is a real rarity. You don't see this very often. No. Um, what is there? Anything to that? Or, I mean – To playing them consecutively? So yeah. Such short order? Well, you certainly don't have to worry about um, – lack of familiarity with the opponent, right? Both mm-hmm. ways. They just digested a scouting report. They've just played these guys, so they know full well what each team has. I think that's a little easier for Michigan State than Maryland, and the reason I say that is Michigan State is so mercurial from game to game <laughs> in terms of who who's clicking mm-hmm. that you know they could come out of that game and think, all right, well, Gabe Brown's really shooting it well, and Malik Hall was great. So those are the guys we focus on and find that in the actual game to come, neither of those guys is doing very much, but Max Christie is a big day, or Tyson Walker goes off, or A.J. Hogard, or uh, Joey Hauser, I mean, or Marcus Bainham. I mean, it goes on and on. Mm-hmm. Whereas with Maryland, it's a little more predictable. You know that Fats Russell and Eric Ayala are the two guys that make them go. And Dante Scott is going to be the best scorer they have in the front court. And you know that they're going to look to try to get to the line by penetrating. Um, and that's really going to be the key to their offense. So there's obviously great familiarity now with these two teams. But I do think that the nature of these teams probably favors Michigan State a little bit in that it's a little more predictable what Maryland is going to do game to game than it is Michigan State. Mm -hmm. I suppose maybe long term uh, over the horizon of the tournament, it sort of favors both of them because they're not having to spend time scouting somebody. (laughs) They just they already did it. So for this game, for sure. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. It's a little less mental energy in that respect that, mm-hmm. that needs to be expended. So, uh, so keys are, I mean, they're going to be fairly similar to the keys that we had in the last one, but threes, um, obviously yeah. this is going to be a big arena that sometimes makes things a little weird. It does. Uh, there, you know, there's the old, old reliable about, um, shooting backdrops being different. Mm-hmm. because fans tend to be further away in these bigger pro arenas um, than uh, than they see in the college game. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know about Maryland this year. Obviously, Michigan State has played in that kind of environment a little bit. Um, they, uh, I'm trying to recall, they played Oakland at the Palace this year, right? Yeah. Yep, Little Caesars. Yeah, so well, played, little, yeah, Little Caesars. Not Little Caesars, I mean. I'm sorry. Little Caesars. And then, obviously, they played at Madison Square. Was it Madison Square Garden this year was the Champions Classic? I believe it was. I think so, yeah. But e- either way, it was there or the United Center. doesn't matter. It's still, So they've played in pro arenas a couple times, even though it's been a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm not sure about Maryland. Is that Does that make any difference? Probably not. Uh, but... I do think, just as I did before the first game, three-point shooting is a big potential separator. 
It was not a separator in terms of made shots from three. Mm-hmm. Maryland actually made one more than Michigan State, but Michigan State shot a much better percentage, and they are a much better three-point shooting team on the year. Uh, so I think it still holds. If Maryland is taking a lot of threes, as they did in the first game, that's a positive for Michigan State in this sense. It means Maryland's not driving the ball as much. Mm-hmm. They're settling for jumpers, and I think you're okay with that Yeah, if you're MSU. Uh, and then that brings us to the boards. Um, MSU slight advantage in this one uh, previously, and they seemed like they were rebounding really well in the first half of this uh, last game. Maybe not they so did, much. They the did second pretty game. well. They did pretty well. I mean, they didn't crush it on the offensive boards, but they were solid. I think they were they – were, uh, mid thirties, but they also only gave up a mid twenties, uh, offensive rebounding rate to Maryland at the other end. That was the big difference. Mm -hmm. If if Michigan state repeats its rebounding performance from the last game, they'll take it and run. I mean, that was perfectly good enough to win with, you know, the, the big key is you just don't want Maryland, a poor shooting team to get repeated, multiple attempts to score it's been a problem for much of the last two months for michigan state Mm -hmm. is giving that up against opponents and they didn't give it up against maryland and hopefully they won't give it up this time either yeah Uh, and they defend without fouling which they did uh, well last game 11 for 12 from the free throw line was uh maryland the the fouls were just about even 16 to 15 yeah it's a huge key i think it's the number one thing Mm mm-hmm because, as we said before the first game, and I think was borne out ultimately, if Maryland isn't getting to the free throw line, they are usually going to find it hard to score very much. Yeah. And and that's because they're just not a good shooting team. They don't have a great post threat on offense. They don't have anybody they can just sit down on the blocks like a, a Dickinson or an Edie or these or Coburn or these guys. They don't have that. Uh their three-point shooting has been various shades of not great all year. I think they're around 32% as a team, mm-hmm. which is not a great number. They don't get in transition very much. They don't play fast. So consequently, if they are not getting much production at the line, it is difficult for them to really put up enough points that they would typically need to win a game against anything other than a bottom dweller in the big 10 mm-hmm. and and for the most part this year they've actually been pretty successful at getting to the line michigan state did an outstanding job at breslin in not getting sucked into that uh this will be different this will be a neutral court you never know going in how it'll be officiated but i think it's a it's a big key if mm-hmm. you keep them off the line your odds of winning go way up and they play with such a tight bench that you don't want them to just constantly be taking breaks at the free throw line. That too. And, and yeah. Maryland, not so much last year, but they've always played with a tight bench, at least the last four or five years, it seems like. And they always seem to run out of gas at the end of the year. They didn't run out That's of gas true. against Michigan State last year, unfortunately. But Yeah, last year was an exception to that. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought they actually got better late in the season, but you are right there. It's a good point. I hadn't really thought about that as a reason, but you, I think you're correct. If you think about 2020, yeah, Michigan they, state was able to get, and Wisconsin were each able to get a share of the conference title largely because Maryland collapsed mm-hmm. down the stretch. And I can think about their team in, I want to say the team they had in 16 didn't close well. And their first year in the Big Ten, I don't think they closed well. So you're right. There's, there's been, there's probably something to that. Uh, and then transition. Yeah, Michigan State had 19 fast break points against uh, against Maryland, which is the second time in four games that they put up that total, mm-hmm. which is a good number. Um, we haven't, you know, we haven't seen very much of that down the stretch in Big Ten play. But uh, we did see it against Purdue. 
in kind of an unconventional way. It was largely due to live ball turnovers. Maryland was more of the conventional way we've seen it, where Michigan State was clearing the defensive glass. They were pushing after makes and misses and generally doing a good job of getting in transition. And the interesting thing is they were able to do that without their best transition point guard, A.J. Hogarth, playing very much. Mm. Now, as I understand it, it looks like Hogarth is finally back to 100%. He okay, never actually good. missed a game, but you've seen over these last, say, three games, his playing time was limited, especially yeah. in the second half. So he pretty much wasn't playing in the second half. Well, uh, Izzo said, I think it was, I think it was today, he said, if A.J. Hogarth plays as well as he practiced, they're in good shape. So okay. It sounds like that he's sounds back good. to 100. Yeah. percent Yeah. Now you've got to control the defensive glass in order to be able to uh, to get your break going. But it's also, as we all know, it's about a mindset and about habits and and just running the floor regardless, make or miss, get out and transition. If Michigan State can get easy baskets, that helps just from a vantage point of getting easy points. But it also helps, as you were just alluding to. It's another way that you wear Maryland down. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the last key is energy. I mean, it's here it is. Been, it's tournament time. <laughs> yeah. There's no tomorrows, right? I mm-hmm. mean, there's a tomorrow after this tournament, but we're rapidly running out of them. Uh, I thought Michigan State played with the requisite energy and hustle and heart and toughness and all of those things against Maryland. But. That was senior day. It was at home. Kind of a feeling that backs are against the wall. People are really doubting you again after two blowout losses. Mm-hmm. You know, so you never want to say anything like that is easy to accomplish. But that one was set up the best way it could be for Michigan State to find those things within themselves. This is different now. Neutral court. I, I would imagine there'll be a decent Michigan State turnout, but. I would be surprised if it was, you know, some years we see great Michigan State turnouts at the, at that at this event. Mm-hmm. Because the expectation is, hey, we've got a team that's got a shot to do everything, win this tournament and win the next one. Well, and the United I Center is not is really not that far away and a lot of people in no, Chicago. No, but neither's, neither's Indianapolis. No, no, not, and, not really. And so – They've had great turnouts and have had a lot of success in Indianapolis over the years as well. I don't know that I would expect this to be a classic Michigan State draw. I would expect it to be good, but I wouldn't expect it. And certainly more MSU fans likely to be there than Maryland fans for geography reasons alone. Never mind the fact that, you know, Maryland is in kind of a a, uh, free fall sort of year. But. I don't think you're going to have those easier routes to creating energy available to you that were there uh, on Sunday. So that means that Michigan state needs to find that within itself. And we talked about, you brought up, is there any reason to think that they can make a run? And, I would say that the objective reasons for believing that to be possible are not very readily apparent. Mm -hmm. But if it's going to happen, it absolutely is going to require what we're talking about right now. It is going to require that the team simply finds another gear within itself. And that does happen. We have seen it. There have Mm -hmm. been years where teams, I can think of, you know, a Syracuse team a few years ago yeah. had a very mediocre regular season. Um, you know, wasn't even, was right on the bubble for getting into the tournament, got to a Final Four. Mm-hmm. UCLA last year, in the play-in game, that's how bad a shape they were in. They go to the Final Four. I'm not saying any of that because I want to convince people that, hey, Michigan State's next in line for this. But it does illustrate the potential for it if you have a team that finds that gear within itself to be something that they haven't been throughout the course of the season. And what those teams and this Michigan State team have in common with each other 
is an inability to find consistently high levels of play during the regular season. Yeah, yeah. This this Michigan State team has had as much variance as any Michigan State team I can recall. Last year's had it too, I guess. But but in a way, this team even more so because last year it was a long stretch of extremely poor play, and then you had a sustained stretch of really, really impressive play. This team, it's game to game and even stretches within games mm-hmm. where it flips back and forth. You know, that we don't we only have to go as far back as the last game against Maryland. Yeah. You have an eighteen to one start, you're up twenty <laughs> at the half. You have that cut to ten, you go back up to twenty, and then you have it cut as close as three before you rally and end up winning by ten. There, that was that's pretty wild of sustained <laughs> runs, right? And and it really was. You saw it in one game. You saw the season for Michigan State. You saw the the highest highs, the 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 great level of play that they are capable of reaching at times. And then you would immediately after that see it followed by just incredibly poor, unfocused play, bad shot selection, just poorly run offense. Defense getting lost, not closing on shooters, letting guys go down the lane with impunity, turnovers, you know, all the things, poor defensive rebounding, all the things we've talked about all year. And so you don't, you know, it would be foolish, in my view, to expect that Michigan State would solve that now Mm -hmm. when they've given us months of evidence that it's a problem. But sometimes it does happen. If it's going to happen, as I say, I think this point, this key, energy, they are going to have to play more or less like their hair's on fire. Mm -hmm. And we have not seen that in any sustained fashion this year. We've seen glimpses of it. But they need to find that if Mm -hmm. they're going to sustain a run in this tournament and especially in the next one. That's what it's going to take. Because they they are not suddenly going to see their talent level elevated to a point that they can just win based on that. It's going to have to be a result of just really out-competing people. And if you do that, then their talent level is good enough. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's – I mean, that's – you know, all the major flaws with this team – or, or, or flaws that we've seen on and off, on and off. They're things that aren't fi- aren't, aren't physical limitations. They're not, um, you, you know, just somebody's not coordinated enough, or they're not smart enough, or or whatever. They're they're things that can be corrected, which, yeah. just with an attitude switch or or, or a, I, a focus, a, a higher intensity focus. I I agree. You know, it it would be one. It's funny because. This is, and I think I think a lot of people might push against this notion because of the way the season's gone, but I think they'd be wrong in fighting it. This is a team with a high degree of skill. Mm-hmm. It is. They are an outstanding jump shooting team. Yeah. Really. Yeah. I mean, one of the best in the country. I know people don't want to believe that. It's a fact. They are a great shooting team. This is one of Tom Izzo's better shooting teams, as a matter of fact, if we're talking about three-point shooting. Again, yeah, I know that's second, hard to Maybe believe. the second best ever. I'd have to, I'd have Behind to look at Behind Denzel's it. team. That team was clearly better. There may have been an odd year or two that were better than this one, but not many. This has been an outstanding three-point shooting team. And so they do that very well. Even with the turnovers... This is a team that does pass the ball well. They've got a number of guys that are willing and able passers. So there's skill level on this team for sure. The problem is that I think the areas that we have grown to count on year in, year out with Michigan State, that grit, that toughness, that energy level, those have been missing too often and it's led to breakdowns in areas like rebounding Mm -hmm. consistency on the defensive end um 
an ability to get to win 50-50 balls. All those things have been lacking. And when those things are lacking, you know, sometimes being able to stick shots isn't enough to overcome that. Michigan State has lost plenty of games this year where they actually shot the ball well. Hmm. There's this old line about, oh, shooting cures a lot of ills. Sometimes it does. Not always. You know, Michigan State shot, what was it? Didn't they shoot 50% from three against Ohio State? Something close to that. Yeah, yeah. And they got blown out. They didn't, I don't think they shot terribly in the loss against Michigan. They got blown out. It's not enough. It's just not enough. You have to do those other things. And if Michigan State's going to go anywhere in this month, it's going to be because they finally figured out how to do those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's that's a such a rarity. I mean, how many times have we heard or talked about or heard other coaches say, if they get more shots up than us, we're dead? And that comes down to rebounding, getting those 50-50 balls. And even even when they got more shots up in their 50%, they still got blown out. That's just we just that is just not what we've seen, Eric. Really, no. And it's it's been the disappointing thing about this team is that uh, I believe they have the physical capabilities to solve that because yeah. it hasn't always been a problem. When they've played hard, they've done well in those areas, mm-hmm. but they just haven't been able for whatever reason. And that's a I don't envy you so this year because it's a very difficult thing to sort out and, and get down to the nitty grittiest. Okay. What's the reason why, why does Malik calls light kind of flicker and go on and off in terms of the intensity he plays with? Mm-hmm. Don't know. Marcus Bainham, same thing. Don't know. Um, it can be a hard thing to get into the psyche of a kid. What, what we know is this team does not have anybody who fits the mold of the great leaders that Michigan State has had. There's no Antonio Smith, no Mateen Cleaves, no Draymond Green, no Travis Walton. That that type of guy is nowhere on this roster. But they've won at times without that kind of guy mm-hmm. on the roster. So it doesn't, I don't think it's just because they don't have that kind of guy. It's they don't have the kind of veteran leadership that at the very least can hold everybody accountable. I think mm-hmm. that's what's been missing. You know, so I mentioned earlier, I was on Jack Evelyn's show today and he referenced, and it's funny because I was at the game live. I didn't really lock into it when it happened, but the incident with Hunter Dickinson jawing at the Michigan state bench. Yeah. And what was interesting about that and probably indicative of this team is that the only person who said anything who confronted Dickinson was Izzo Mm -hmm. in years past, you would have had five, 10 Michigan state guys on him like white on rice. And that doesn't mean that oh they don't like Izzo they don't want to defend him it's not that, or oh they don't want to they don't want to fight anybody it's not that either. I just think it's not in the makeup of a lot of these individuals to 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 approach things the way that we're used to Michigan State teams handling their business. Mm-hmm. You know I can't think of another year that something like that would have happened in exactly that way. You know, I'll assume that they just didn't, you know, the circumstances were such that they just didn't fully realize what was going on. And that if they had, they would have handled it differently. They would have been more confrontational. Probably. But, probably rushing their ass, to, their butt down the court <laughs> on the, trying yeah. to get the fast break going but, while Dickinson's looking I, I at the bench. You, but I will tell you, it still says something. And so... That's what's been that's what's been missing, I think. And I think that's why the level of the thing that we're talking about here, wanna call it energy, wanna call it heart, toughness, however you want to characterize it, I think that's the main reason why it's ebbed and flowed so much this season is because this team hasn't had that leadership at the top that 
sets a standard and refuses to let that um, slip to let that slip. Yeah. To let that not be met and, and it's okay, mm-hmm. you know, and they've had guys who could do that even when they didn't have those all time ass kicker kind of guys on the roster. You know, yeah. I mean, you think about like Denzel senior year and granted they flamed out in the tournament, but that was a great team. You know, that was a team that finished runner up in the regular season. I uh, believe won the big 10 conference tournament. I think that yeah, year. I, I think have, so. Yeah. Um, you know, I think they were the best team in the league that year. And I think most people concurred with that. That team didn't have anybody that was out there screaming and yelling. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they had in Denzel, in Bryn Forbes, in Matt Costello, they had guys who had been around and had learned the right lessons and set a standard within that team. And then they had some younger guys too, like they had Tom Tom there, mm-hmm. who was more of a positive guy, but still brought that kind of energy and intensity to things, you know? Yeah. Um, you think about the team in 19, yeah, 19 that went to the final four, you know, not a lot of demonstrative rah-rah guys, but Matt McQuaid and Kenny Goins were exactly the kind of seniors you want. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, And then they had veterans like uh, Cassius Winston, who again, the furthest thing in the world from a rah-rah guy, but he understood what it was about. He had figured out by then what it took you know, and to not come out flat, mm-hmm. you know, and even younger guys, you know, Xavier Tillman was a sophomore that year, but he was the epitome of that. Yeah. So that's what I think has been missing with this team. And, and long-term what you hope for is that some of the younger guys who I do think have shown flashes of that mature into being that type of player. I, again, I don't see anybody on this roster that's going to be Mateen Cleaves Redux. I, I I don't see that. I, I do think they might have some guys coming in the years ahead who might get closer to that from what I can tell. But um, that's a discussion for another day. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't take just it doesn't take that much. You just have to have guys that are capable of holding themselves and everybody else accountable. And I think that element has been missing too much this year. You know, it's something that I hope that somebody like Malik Hall is really going to to look at himself and do some soul searching Mm -hmm. because he's a guy who could be that. And sometimes he shows you the energy within himself, you know, being demonstrative, uh, some classes of it, but not enough. That's to me, that's the biggest thing on his to-do list for this off season is figure out how he can tap into that consistently. Mm Mm-hmm. Because the, the, the game is there. The tools, the skills, all there for him. Mindset, both for himself and to lead teammates, that's where he's got to improve, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, we'll see what uh, the tournament has uh, in, in store for us here. 6.30, Big Ten Network, Thursday. Any final thoughts heading into this one, Ron? Well, it, you know... I, I do think that there is a chance for a productive Big Ten tournament. Notice I'm not saying winning it. Mm-hmm. But, but you know, if you think about it, they beat the hell out of Wisconsin on the road and then got beat at home. They beat Purdue the one time they played them. They lost two very close games to Illinois. Mm-hmm. Those are your three best teams in the big 10 and Michigan state has proven against those teams. They've been very competitive. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, what are they? They're two and three and two of the losses were by, I think a combined four points or six points, something like that. The two Illinois losses. Yeah. The only one that was semi substantial was Wisconsin. And that wasn't a blowout either. Mm-hmm. So they can compete on the right day when they've got their act together, they can compete with those teams. The way this is set up, if they are fortunate enough to beat Maryland and they would get a quarterfinal date on uh, Friday with Wisconsin. Now I've heard that Johnny Davis apparently says he's fine, claims he's going to play, but 
it would not be surprising to see him at least diminished somewhat. Mm-hmm. And if that's the case, I think even with a healthy Johnny Davis, Michigan State would have a shot for sure. Um, without him at 100%, you'd have a great shot. Mm-hmm. And so if they could win two and then you know roll the dice, I think it would be Purdue in the semifinals, um, assuming it goes chalk from there. Hey, you know, that even if you lose to Purdue, that would that would constitute, in my opinion, a reasonably successful Big Ten tournament. Yeah. Um, so I think it's I think it's there. Now, let's put it this way. I'm much happier with seeing Wisconsin on that as that potential Friday game as opposed to Illinois. Hmm. I think Wisconsin is a much better matchup, and I think it's a team that it's easier to see a path to beating them than it is with Illinois. Because I think Illinois is – they'd be my pick right now to win it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they won it last year, and I think they're coming in with the kind of um, mindset that to me so – I'm not picking them to go very deep at the tournament, at the big tournament, but I think in the Big Ten tournament, I'd pick them as the winner. Okay. Well, we'll leave it at that. And we'll wrap this one up, and then we'll get back with everybody after the game on Thursday. Until then, the Final Four is not on the schedule. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.